Hi, everybody. We're back with our first post-Christmas episode. We're doing 2004's classic, Half Path Dead. And this is the perfect movie to sort of slink into the new year with. Yeah, that sort of um, post-holiday slump that that you're going through. This is the filmic equivalent of that feeling. Yeah, I mean... Not a good movie. No. This was Steven Seagal's sort of last attempt at box office relevancy before... He went straight to making movies in like the disputed parts of the Ukraine. Yeah, it wasn't a, a very graceful swan song. I would say the most notable part of Half Past Dead is that it manages to rip off not only The Rock, but also the Steven Seagal movie, Under Siege, like both of which are already diehard ripoffs, so it's like a triple ripoff. In the IMDb trivia section, which is where we get most of our... Uh research they mentioned that this came from the same script as the rock although it's not the same credited writer so i'm not sure if the person who wrote that just assumed that it was like originated from the same screenplay or if the writers of this movie just ripped it off that shamelessly before we get too much further you want to sum up the plot yes steven zagal plays sasha petrasek uh, who is a car th- Russian car thief in San Francisco. He and his friend, uh, played by Ja Rule, get in a gunfight with the FBI, and they get sent to Alcatraz, which has, like for some reason, reopened. Um, and then when they're at Alcatraz, Morris Chestnut and a team of commandos break in, and they want to kidnap an inmate uh, who's like a D.B. Cooper type because he knows to get his lost gold. Yeah, that's, I think, it. and then mayhem ensues. Yeah, I wasn't timing you there. I think you went over. I probably. There's a surprising amount of plot in this movie, yeah. even though it feels like it was all like taken from bits, for, excised from other scripts. Yeah, mostly The Rock. Like almost every character in this movie has a direct counterpart in The Rock, as do a lot of the action set pieces, because it's another like action movie set in Alcatraz where guys have to invade Alcatraz to do something. There's even footage from The Rock in this. They used some shots like for B-roll kind of thing. They don't have the same helicopter budget as The Rock, so they have to use their helicopter shots. It's it's astounding that they didn't get sued over this movie because it is so shamelessly ripped off in parts that it feels like a remake at times. We might try to picture what the like elevator pitch was. I like to think that they were like, one thing that could make The Rock better, Ja Rule. Yeah. <laughs> the Rock was a good movie, but it lacked, you know, like uh, a lot of sort of minor 90s rappers. That's true. Yeah. These were, this was before his, his Firefest days. I hope they do Firefest Part 2. That maybe that could be the sequel of this movie. If uh, they have to break into Fire they Fest. have to break into Firefest to steal some grilled cheese sandwiches yeah, or wh- whatever they had there. I guess that's a roundabout way we could get into the cast of this movie. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the cast. So straight from the top, we have Steven Seagal, who is way past his prime, way past his uh, ideal BMI. Also, <laughs> yeah, as well, he's a fat man in this movie. We did uh, Exit Wounds a couple episodes back, which was only, I think, two or three years before this. And, like, Seagal's not the best he's ever looked in it, but he's, like, somewhat credible still. Whereas, like, in this one, he beats up a guy while leaning against a wall. He's firmly in his, like, too fat to move phase. Yeah, well, what was funny was when Exit Wounds came out, all the reviews we looked up were just, like, Steven Seagal is too fat to be an action star. (laughs) 
But by comparison, he was like fit as a fiddle in that movie. In this one, he's like really starting to tip the scales. And and it's only gotten worse since. If you see him today, he's he's enormous. And I don't want to sound like we're fat shaming, but if you are a karate kung fu action movie guy, you shouldn't be 400 pounds. No. We can all agree on that, probably. Also, his like skin is really uh, really pasty in this one. Yeah, he looks bad. And like his hair. I feel in um, exit wounds, they kind of knew they weren't dealing with prime skull so they kept a lot of his fighting to gunplay which you don't need to be thin to pull a trigger whereas in this one there's like they're trying to get him to do like lots of fighting and it's like like, this ain't it chief yeah it's not taking (laughs) at all (laughs) and then i mean after him we got jaw rule you thought he was busta rhymes like when we were talking about i did not (laughs) i did i did not think that i know exactly who busta rhymes is (laughs) (laughs) that might have been a better movie um Yeah, has Buster Rhymes been in movies? He must have been. Yeah, wasn't he in Mr. and Mrs. Smith? I mean, he did the music video for that. Uh, You're thinking of Brad Pitt. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I mean, these get too confused. He's definitely no... Was he in On Dangerous Ground? No, no, that was Ice Cube. Ice T. No, Ice Cube. Ice Cube. You mean the one where they're hunting homeless guys? No, I don't... I never saw it. It was Ice Cube and Elizabeth Hurley. Oh, yeah, okay. It was like a weird, like, mid to late 90s kind of thing. No, Um, you're thinking of Are We There Yet? Oh right, yeah. yeah you're right. Oh, he's in um Crash, the not Cronenberg one. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's like Lorenz Tate's like friend. Yeah. No, that's ludicrous. Shit. Okay. <laughs> We're not doing ourselves any favors here. <laughs> yeah, no, Buster Rhymes definitely been in the movie though. Well, after we uh, finish up this episode, we'll go find out what movies Buster Rhymes has been in. We'll bing it, and we'll get right back to you guys on that one. <laughs> Jaw Rule, to his credit, though does have like a leading role in this movie he's he's not just like doing you know like a a rapper cameo in a movie he pulls his weight in fact i would say he he acquits himself a lot better than steven seagal does yes when he has to fight that woman in the hallway like it's a pretty good fight scene yeah yeah he has he has some fight scenes i really enjoyed how his character winds up in prison Oh my God! Yes, we have to talk about that. In in the well, it's how they both end up in the prison in New Alcatraz. Uh, the opening scene, they steal a car because they're working for some Russian mob guy, and they take the car back to a warehouse. And an FBI like raid team shows up, and they're like, "Come with us peacefully." And Ja Rule goes, "It's a good night to die." He kills like ten FBI agents. Uh, there's a huge shootout. And then they cut to him in jail, and he's like, man, they gave me five years. How am I going to do that? <laughs> like, he's a black man in America. I think you get five years for jaywalking. He killed, like, ten cops. When it starts <laughs> off, they have their guns drawn on him, and he pulls out, like, two guns and is not immediately blown away. Yeah. And then, and then starts his firefight. Yeah, they're like, hey calm down and come with us peacefully and he's just like no way and they gave him five years <laughs> it's like tough on crime yeah which is compounded by the fact that when they introduce the um the sort of like db cooper inmate who who in the rock would have been the sean connery character he has like stolen all this gold and he's awaiting execution for a, a robbery, but Ja Rule is just doing five years for like multiple cop killings. 
In fairness, the D.B. Cooper is like requested to be executed because yes. he's like, I'm bored of going to court. Yeah, that was that was a nice touch. It's almost like the writers were like, wait, if Charles is only getting five years, why is this guy getting executed? <laughs> what if it's his choice? As if you could even do that in the legal system. That's how it works. Yeah, you can just ask for the punishment you want. You get to pick which way they execute you because they send you to this room and then you can pick hanging, lethal injection, firing squad, or whatever. And it, like whatever you pick comes out of the floor. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the warden of New Alcatraz is like a really hyperactive like Spanish guy. He's a character who wandered in from Blood In, Blood Out, and they were like, "You can be the warden." <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's, and he knows karate. He is not your typical warden character. I'll give you that. But he's like giving this tour of the the revamped Alcatraz, and he takes them to the execution room, and he's just like, "We can do it all here: the gas chamber, <laughs> the electric chair, firing squad." Um, and he's like very proud of it. But yeah, so this one guy who stole all this money is like. I'm just tired, man, and uh, I hate getting hauled into court every few months and, and having to do all these interviews, so I'm taking the electric chair, and that's going to be that. <laughs> and it's like, how is that that? Um, also, like, if he's tired of going to court, couldn't he just, like, stop appealing his sentence? It seems like he really didn't think this through. Like, it's a big decision, deciding to be executed. <laughs> Just because you're annoyed with the bureaucracy? Also, just to circle back to the warden, you know who he is? He is the cool, relatable teacher played by Dave Foley in that Kids in the Hall sketch if he became a prison warden. Yes, that's that's a good catch. Um, who else is in this? Corrupt is like supposed to be the comic relief, but his only contribution to the plot is he like needlessly starts a gunfight at the end of the movie. And like seems there seems to be no repercussions for this. Yeah. There aren't a lot of repercussions for anyone in this movie. There's a lot of gunfights where nobody gets hit at all. Yeah. Um, you never see a bullet hitting anybody, and the characters almost all stay alive until the very end of the movie. It's just like shots of people just firing machine guns at each other, but they're all terrible marksmen, I guess. That's yeah. It's uh, maybe they, they couldn't afford squibs. Also, I'm pretty sure in one of the gunfights, it was revealed that all the prison cells were like made of wood. The layout of the prison is very strange. Some rooms appear to be made of wood. There's also a lot of like big windows, which doesn't seem very secure for a prison either. Oh my god, remember the fight scene in the infirmary that's just full of the, a series of French windows? <laughs> it feels like they might have just shot this at some like mansion in the hills and tried to dress it as a prison. Absolutely. Um, it's sort of like the sets in porn movies, where you're just like, this is obviously not actually the place that it is. Um, <laughs> this is just some guy's basement. Welcome um, to Alcatraz, Burbank. He's sort of in a Chris Tucker register in this movie, where he, <laughs> yeah. he sort of shouts a lot at the action that's going on. He's not in his dark blue form for this, you know? Was he in dark blue? Yeah, he's like one of the um, hitmen that Kurt Russell tracks. I gotta watch that movie again. I remember being really disappointed as a kid, because the trailer made it look like this like really like action-packed romp, and then... The movie itself was actually this like sort of like gritty, thoughtful look at the like Rampart riots. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't interested in that when I was twelve. I was just <laughs> like, I want to see some like shootouts and gunfights and Kurt Russell being a badass, and that wasn't remotely the movie. Um, yeah, you thought it would be Training Day with Kurt Russell, and it was like very much not. No, no. 
Apparently, I think James Elroy wrote the script and like disowned the movie. Oh, so maybe it's not worth going back to. Yeah. I thought I thought maybe I just hadn't given it the benefit of the doubt. Brendan Gleeson's pretty great in it. Is he in that movie? Yeah, he's like the evil wow. police chief. Yeah, he's 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 a good villain turn from him. Um, unlike Morris Chestnut in this film, who is the villain in Half Past Dead. He is a villain whose motivations are flimsy at best, shall we say? Well, he he breaks into. Alcatraz with his team of goons to try and kidnap the D.B. Cooper inmates so he can get him to tell him where all his gold is. Even though he has no leverage, like he hasn't like kidnapped his daughter on the outside, he's just like hoping this guy will oblige him. Yeah, it's not like The Rock where they take all the hostages and this, he's just like, we're just going to go in and get the guy um, who has told nobody this so far and apparently would rather die anyway. Yeah, and he's like extremely like zen. There is a scene where Morris Chestnut threatens the guy while he is strapped into the electric chair. He holds a gun to his head and he's like, tell us where the money is. <laughs> it's like, or I'll shoot you. Or I'll shoot you before we can turn on this electric chair. When they're like giving him like his backstory bit, like his his motivations are basically he claims that he was raped by his mom. Well, he he it's ambiguous as to whether or not it was, but it's a very strange thing to claim. Yeah. And then, and then the FBI is like, oh, he went insane from Gulf War Syndrome, even though Gulf War Syndrome is like an autoimmune thing. Like, it doesn't affect your sanity. Yeah, we should probably explain this, like, just a little more for context. There's a part where he's sort of, he's taken uh, the warden hostage, and he's taken uh, a visiting Supreme Court justice hostage, who is there for some reason. And you know, he's like, you want to know why I'm doing this? I'm a sociopath. My dad beat me, my mom raped me, and here I am. It's not clear if he's just making it up or if these things really happened, but it's still a real weird place to go uh, in that sort of a a villain speech. His follow-up to this is he just chastises the Supreme Court justice for not having had kids. Yeah, it's because he already has her taken hostage, but he, for some reason, feels like he needs to lay into her. Uh, She's already pretty rattled by having, you know, guns in her face. Um, but he like leans in and does this like whole like very 1950s analysis of of her life choices. He's just like, sure, you're a Supreme Court justice, but all this time you forgot to have children, <laughs> and now you can't. And yeah, he's like he like shames her for her biological clock. You know, needlessly. He's not getting anything out of it. She doesn't know where the gold is. And he makes her cry over it. But yeah. then but then she comes back and she's like, no, I'm, I'm a good Supreme Court justice. And you can't take that away from me. But, oh, man, what a stage name. Yeah. Morris Chestnut? I want that name. I mean, I'm a white guy, so it wouldn't take. Um, what, what would the white guy equivalent of Morris Chestnut be? Isn't it just John Hamm? Or maybe um, Tyrone Power? I don't yes. think that that couldn't have been that guy's real no. name. Yeah, I wonder what his real name is. According to Wikipedia, Morris Chestnut's full name is Morris Chester Chestnut Jr. So there's no way. There's yeah. no way that his Richard mid- Macadamia Walnut the Third. There's no way his middle name is Chester and his last name is Chestnut. I don't know Chester Chestnut. Could you like? <laughs> what kind of parent would do that? Like that's insane. That's like uh, they're they're remaking Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and the villain is Chester Chestnut, and he's like a guy who owns a nut factory and invites kids with allergies to it. Yeah, it, it's basically Chester the Cheeto, the the Cheetah. Yes, it's, it's he's not that cool though. Chester the Cheetah is cooler than Morris Chestnut. 
Yeah, Chester. Although I, I feel like Chester the Cheeto has like a bit of like um, he's got like a bit of a men's rights vibe to him. Oh no, I've not been keeping up. With he him. seems. Has he been red pilled? I'm not saying that he did anything, but I'm saying if you look at the way he carries himself around, he's asking for it. It's it's possible. I wouldn't be surprised if something came out about him. Oh no, Chester Chestnut. I don't know. I, I can't believe he didn't go by that name. You, well, you can't go by that name. Yeah, that's a little too porno, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like he'd way. have to wear like a white, like top and tails tuxedo over if he went. Carry a cane. I maintain that it is not his real name. Yeah, I just don't think there's any way it could. Be. It's fake news. Yeah, Morris Chestnut is fake news. <laughs> We're on to you, fake Putin. fake name news. Running at this guest, I guess the guy that plays the warden is like a that guy, but I like refuse to look him up. Yeah, I feel like I feel like I've seen him on stuff like Twenty Four, yeah. like like that yeah. kind of thing. Um, like lots of roles where he gets to wear a leather blazer. He's sort of um, a poor man's version of that one guy who's always the like Latino bad guy in things. This dude's like a Latino Zeljko Ivanek. I feel who Zeljko Ivanek Ivanek. I don't know who that is. He was on he was on Twenty Four. Um, he's the dude that gets punched by Colin Farrell and in Bruges. He's like in everything. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm see. I was thinking of um that guy who's in uh, a Clear and Present Danger, and he's the bad guy in SWAT. He's the bad guy in Bad Boys Two. Henry Cherney? No, he he's like a Latin guy. Oh, Harris Eulin. No, this oh. is we're getting off track here. Let's, uh... The bad guy in SWAT. <laughs> All right, I looked it up. Joaquim de Almeida. He yeah. was in. He was the bad guy in Desperado. He's in the Fast and the Furious movies. He's in tons of stuff, and he's he's yeah he's in Clear and Present Danger. He was not in Bad Boys Two. <laughs> I was wrong about that. He's the like he's a cartel leader in Clear and Present Danger though. Yeah, but like a, he's like a sexy one because he like fucks the head of the CIA. Oh secretary. right, yeah, he like seduces her for information. Yeah, that was a good movie. I like that. <laughs> um, anyway, he was the bad guy in Fast Five. So this is all to say that the warden in this movie feels like a uh, poor man's version of Joaquim de Almeida. Yes, he's like the Barrio version. And we can move on. <laughs> <laughs> you are now turned into the name that guy from that movie podcast. Yeah, this is the one thing we're supposed to be good at <laughs> to do this podcast. Uh, and yet we can't. We're pivoting to fact-free for uh, 2019. <laughs> so this is just a taste. We might as well. <laughs> also, the D.B. Cooper guy is like apparently someone who was on Hill Street Blues, but this before a time. I refuse to look it up. He's famous in the 80s, and it's not Corbin Burnson. The other thing about this movie is they like attempt to address the fact that Alcatraz has been reopened for some reason, and they can't really. Like Morris Chestnut's boss actually gives a press conference and is just like, I hate criminals too much. So much, and then he just can't even explain why they've opened Alcatraz, and then Morris Chestnut's like, I don't. What did he even say? He's like, like, it's a bad place for bad people, or something like that. But which he must mean the guards, because they just the warden just lets the inmates beat up the guards in Alcatraz. Yeah, the that's the like weird thing. One of one of the weird things in this movie is that the warden seems pretty cool with the inmates. Yeah. Um, like, he lets one of them have a PlayStation in his cell. He he lets them, like, play basketball whenever they want. They don't seem to really have much to fear from him. 
And he even even when Steven Seagal beats up a guard, he doesn't face any kind of punishment for it. No. You know, he doesn't go in the box or anything. There's also, it appears, like, only 12 inmates in this whole prison, and <laughs> yeah. they're all in, like, one room. Like, there's there aren't, like, different cell blocks or, or you know, solitary. They, they clearly have only opened up a very small portion of Alcatraz. They've only opened up the part that's on a studio lot in Pasadena. Yeah, it's, um, it's the size of maybe, like, two apartments put together is, is the yeah. whole size of Alcatraz in this movie. It's a bachelor prison. Um. Yeah, you know, until until you can afford something better. Well, they, they sort of make it out in the movie like this is sort of like, you know how restaurants do soft openings? When, <laughs> yeah. when they're still like figuring out the menu and getting everything right and, you know, maybe not all the decor has been installed yet. This is sort of like that. They're like, this new Alcatraz just opened, and you know they're still working out the kinks. Um, it feels very much like a trial period for this prison. Beta. Uh, yeah, as opposed to, you know, the full the full thing. They're having like the prisoners like walk into all the walls to make sure there's no clipping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> another another great thing is that Steven Seagal spends this whole movie looking just like Rob Riggle in Twenty Two Jump Street. <laughs> yeah like just like him to the point where it's like you feel like maybe the writers of jump Street, i guess it was miller and lord might have seen this movie on cable one night and been like that is hilarious because he's wearing a do-rag and an orange jumpsuit for most of the movie and not even the other black guys in the movie are wearing do-rags no. it's just him steven seagal's sort of recent trajectory he does have a weird fascination with being other races yes Um, he in his like more recent movies he's adopted this accent that it might be cajun but it also just sounds like he's talking to talk like a black guy either way it's not his real voice he kind of sounds like a bad danny glover impression yeah it's it's just like very obvious affectation there's also a straight-to-video movie that uh, I watched with our friend David called The Asian Connection, where he plays the like patriarch of a Chinese crime family. <laughs> and they never mention the fact that he's not Chinese. <laughs> You're just supposed to go with it. And it's crazy, because in like every scene he's in, he's flanked by all these Chinese guys who are supposed to be his brothers. <laughs> Like, yeah, the movie just insists that he's Asian. That's, I mean, like, in this one, in the beginning, he's an undercover FBI agent, and he's supposed to be a Russian car thief, and just speaks like Steven Seagal normally does. Doesn't have an accent. Yeah. I mean, to his credit, he has done a better job of becoming Russian than becoming anything else. Yes. Yeah. I'll give him that. Uh, in the years since. He wants to be Blasian, I think. Yeah. I mean, the the stunt guy on this one said that he had a, uh, like, a Buddhist shaman or whatever a monk that he like would take with him everywhere and if the guy decided that the energy in the room wasn't right they would have to shut down shooting for the day it's such a hilarious like my dog ate my homework kind of thing to do like that kid in school who like makes up a religious holiday so he doesn't need to do his work yeah um, but so when, when uh, to show that Ja Rule and Steven Seagal are friends in this movie, they're like joyriding this car that he's stolen. But anyways, they get to the chop shop and Seagal just like pulls the handbrake and like 
drifts in and then it like throws jaw rule like 30 feet from the car crash lands on the hood of another car and just like you're crazy for that one sasha yeah he he fully like does an automobile accident to him and ja rule is just like you my boy (laughs) (laughs) like we love to horse around and his purple six button nba commentator suit is like not even must in the slightest yeah i mean it does um set the movie up well for nobody ever dying in this movie yes everyone in this movie is impervious to harm it's a silly movie i think i enjoyed this one more than exit wounds though yes Um, because it's so insane i think the the best touch in the whole movie is the the climax like my eyes popped out of my head but the setup is the plan's going awry morris chestnut's guys are getting killed by the inmates who've just like risen up against them because they're like good guys i guess well they break into the armory which has a cupboard full of oak leaves yeah it has like a bazooka which i don't know why you'd have that in a prison yeah it's got a bazooka it's got a bunch of machine guns and it's got like a dozen pairs of oak leaves for them to wear the inmates get db cooper back morris chestnut needs him so he has a supreme court judge and he's like, let's do a hostage swap. And D.B. Cooper's like, yeah, I'll go with him. Like, I'm also like a good guy. And they do the swap. And then it's like revealed at the end of it that they just like took a different woman and like put a wig on her. She's like a reporter. But th- he's 25 years younger. Looks nothing like the judge who like she and all of the principal characters have like been in this one room for half the movie. And like no one notices that they didn't get the right woman back. There is a lot of nobody noticing things in this movie. Like for the first half an hour of the movie after morris chestnut and his goons like drop in and invade the prison the warden and his pals are like sequestered away in the execution chamber talking to db cooper uh and all this stuff happens and not a single alarm bell goes off where they are yeah and they're completely clueless until the guys get to them which you know Frankly, it doesn't seem very realistic. No, they're just like firing off machine guns. But so, yeah, so they've swapped the hostages, and then the good guys realize, oh, no, we didn't get the judge back. So they have to chase down Morris Chestnut, who's escaped with this judge and with D.B. Cooper on a helicopter. Yeah, there, there's like a helicopter chase, although we don't get to see that because I assume, you know, money's money. We think we do, but it's just like stock footage from The Rock. Yeah, yeah. They, cut, <laughs> they just like cut to some helicopters and then they cut to like them in the helicopters and they're like, shit, he's still got the Supreme Court justice. It doesn't seem like a, a particularly tactical maneuver, but Morris Chestnut's like, if you want her, you have to go get her. And he throws her out the window of the helicopter, <laughs> which would appear to be him losing all of his leverage at this point, but not to be deterred. Steven Seagal just jumps out after her. And, Still in a do-rag. And uh, catches up to her and saves her. And in the meantime... Well, so before he jumps <laughs> out, he gives like a thumbs up and like a wink to D.B. Cooper. Who is in Morris Chestnut's helicopter. Yes. Because he was the, the traded hostage. Yeah. And then Seagal dies after the judge. And D.B. Cooper just rips off his shirt, revealing like a suicide vest. And then blows up the helicopter. Yeah. It's the most insane thing I've maybe ever seen in a movie where the like the good guy's plan was it's to a suicide bomb was to suicide bomb the bad guys. <laughs> this is like in 2004 too. Like it's <laughs> it's so bizarre. And it's one of those things where like okay, 
like in the professional like Jean Reno like does he like also like suicide bombs the bad guys at the end there but he's already dying and it's sort of like artfully done with the pins from the grenade he's he like it's tonally appropriate. This guy in this movie is wearing like a straight up Al Qaeda vest. Like it is, <laughs> it is so unambiguously like a terrorism vest. <laughs> I don't know where he got it, <laughs> who made it, but that's the twist. Also, yeah, where would he was in prison the whole time? Did they just have like dynamite and like detonators lying around? And he pulls this like maniacal grin when he reveals himself. It's very bleak. Uh, but the movie plays it as this like triumphant moment. It's so insane. Nobody ever acknowledges what's just happened. The last scene too is just like Steven Seagal is just like you know speaking with Jaw Rule over the payphone, and he's like, "Oh yeah, by the way, this whole time I was an undercover Fed, but it's okay. I, like, got your sentence commuted." Yeah, remember when you killed those ten FBI yeah. agents? <laughs> My I coworkers. T- I talked to the Department of Justice, and they're gonna let this one slide. And then they cut to um, like the credit sequence. Monique shows up. Yes. Like Kevin Spacey in Seven, you're like, whoa, yeah, uh, what? Yeah, he's like not in the credits, and then when he's revealed to be the killer, it's like, whoa. But he doesn't like show up in the credits. He's like not in the opening credits, and oh. then like when you the killer revealed that it's him. <laughs> I thought like, you, I thought you meant that in Seven there is like a wacky improvisational comedy sequence with Kevin Spacey over the closing credits, and I was just <laughs> like, that was not in the movie I saw. Well, actually, they're doing a new cut where they they put the Let's Be Frank video over the end credits. I would love it if the same thing happened where Kevin Spacey's in prison and Monique is his girlfriend and she comes to visit him and she's just like, when you get out of here, you got to get a job. And he, w- he won't <laughs> stop doing the Jack Lemon impression. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, Shelly. Yeah. Oh, man. That would be, that would be great. <laughs> it's not too late. I mean, this is, not, this is the perfect time for a seven sequel. Uh, they've tried, apparently, to do seven sequels. There's been there's been seven sequels and prequels written. They tried to make it into a franchise. The and Daniel you know, Day-Lewis movie, Nine. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was supposed to be a sequel to Eight and a Half. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, they've tried to like make that happen. And you know what? If they can make a Blade Runner sequel 70 years later, <laughs> I'm sure they're going to eventually get around to seven. I mean, I don't know if Kevin Spacey's ever going to come back um and morgan morgan freeman also had his his troubles recently but you know brad pitt's doing doing okay yeah he's like non pretty non-controversial i think like he when he was getting divorced angelina jolie was like he smokes weed too much or something like I don't, that seems he's he's okay he doesn't carry a vial of blood around his neck what a yeah. weirdo well, not like a real husband <laughs> But I mean, speaking of sequels, what would the sequel to this movie be? Well, well, there was a sequel. Right. Um, no, we will not be watching it. Yeah, it was straight to video, and the corrupt character was the lead, and he's in it with, with Goldberg, the wrestler, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, I don't know. If, if you could make a sequel to this movie, if we could, what, what would it be about? I, well, I mean, first, I think we'd have to call it. So the sequel is just called Half Past Dead 2. I think we'd have to call it Half Past, Half Past Dead. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm with you, and I think you know what if um, the Morris Chestnut character uh, breaks into heaven to get DB Cooper because he wants to get his gold back. It takes place like right after they blow up in the helicopter. Yes, and DB Cooper is going through the gates of heaven. Morris Chestnut presumably would be going to hell, but somehow escape his shackles, go into heaven, and then Jaw Rule. He's not dead. That's going to be hard to work him in. 
You know, maybe Ja Rule just gets to go to heaven whenever he wants because well, he's that yeah. great. You know? What if St. Peter just looks and sounds exactly like Ja Rule? And like, no, it's a different guy. Maybe but- they cut to, like, St. Peter in his, like, command center, and he's like, there's only one tandem that can help us fend off this attack from Morris Chestnut. <laughs> and he sends an angel down to get Steven Seagal and Ja Rule. The great news is this would also, like... I think this is a good enough idea. We could also get a sequel to Paradise Lost out of this. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> just give John Dunn some smelling salts, get him to write a poem about Morris Chestnut. And Steven Seagal. Yeah. And they could encounter Morris Chestnut's mom in heaven. Absolutely. To find out whether or not she did rape him. I'm going to say she didn't. I think he no. made it up. Yes. Yeah. I believe... I believe Morris Chestnut's fake mom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, is she also played by Monique in this one? I don't think so. No? Okay. No. Who, the age, who the age difference would be not enough. Yeah, okay. Who's who's Morris Chestnut's mom in in this movie? Catherine Deneuve. That would be good. <laughs> Halle Berry? Ooh, Eddie Murphy in a fat suit. Yeah. What if he plays all the roles? Do you think Eddie Murphy, do you think that fat suit is like his, like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde? Like he sees it in the closet and it like talks to him and it's like, make another Norbit movie. You know you want to. And he's like, no, I'm trying to do real movies again. And they're just like, you don't want to do that, Eddie. That would be, you know, like the like JCVD and like all those movies where sort of aging, like action stars who are like on the downside of their careers make like self-parodic. Yeah. I feel like this wouldn't work for Eddie Murphy because he's like still got too much money and seems to be okay like just doing kids' movies. But like, I would love the movie you just described. He's in something else that's coming out that actually looks like good. Well, I think there was like this Grantland article once that was just like, yeah, he basically had a full career by the age of like twenty eight, so he's just like, yeah, he chilling on, now. He got on Saturday Night Live when he was like nineteen or something, and. It was, like, one of the biggest, like, Hollywood stars when he was, like, 23. And it was just like, yeah, like, you know, I have a giant pile of money and I don't have a cell phone. I'm good. He's starring in a new Dolomite. Oh, that could be good. Which could be really good. It's uh, it's with um, Key from Key and Peele. Him. I think he's starring. Wesley Snipes is in it. This movie's going to be awesome, I think. Uh, Craig Robinson, Chris Rock. T.I. Oh, it's like going to be like the Black Spendables. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to, this is, I can't wait to see this. It's And it's done by um Craig Brewer, the, oh, nice. who is white, but he made, <laughs> you know, he's made a lot of very not white kinds of movies. Like he did Hustle and Flow and Black Snake Moan and stuff. <laughs> um, his, his most recent movies haven't been. I feel like we have been like waiting for an Eddie Murphy revival for like almost two decades at this point, and I still believe that it will come. Well, after Dreamgirls happened, that was like supposed to happen, but I right. think he like he went and made Norbit, and everyone was like, Suit. "Actually, we know we don't want this." I mean, maybe he just doesn't want. Are there to. any Eddie Murphy movies from this period we could do? Uh, I Spy. Was that from the? It's because like early two thousand. Pluto, Pluto Nash. Yeah, or whatever. We could do Pluto Nash. Um, yeah, this is the two. This was like the nadir of both action movies and like Eddie Murphy's film career. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't even in this movie that we're talking about. So, no. Um, anyway, he he should have been. Maybe he could have been the warden, just constantly doing that that laugh. I'm sure that the producers of this movie would have loved that. If, <laughs> but, uh, it would have been like, give me eleven million dollars. Yeah, they're like, sir, the budget's only fourteen. Yeah, oof, this was a bad movie. 
but like kind of enjoyable. Yeah, no, look, don't get me wrong. Like, we're trash talking it and have spent half the podcast talking about Eddie Murphy's career. Um, but this is like a very enjoyable movie to watch because it's just like so non. Like, it looks like a bunch of 12 year old boys watched The Rock and were like, this is the best movie ever made, as 12 year old boys do, and then went and made their own movie of The Rock. Yeah, that, that's exactly what it feels like. It feels like uh, watching a bunch of people play dress up for The Rock. <laughs> yeah. Like, you described Jason Statham's character in The Transporter as looking like he's dressing up as his dad for Halloween. And this movie, Half Past Dead, is, like, dressing up as The Rock and a better Steven Seagal movie for Halloween. This whole movie is, like, a group Halloween costume where they all (laughs) went as The Rock. (laughs) Like, the whole movie. Well. That's it. Yeah. I think that's all. (laughs) Um, Happy New Year's, everyone. Um, Our resolution is to keep watching bad movies. Yeah. Yeah, it shouldn't be too hard. I watched Priest the other day. Was that the one with um, Pale Guy? What's Paul Bettany, Paul yeah. Bettany. And he's yeah. Like Pale Guy, Paul Bettany. Ninja who fights vampires. Yeah, it looked very bad. Because he, he did like two movies that were both... like He did that and Legion, which were both like these weird, like, oh. effectsy horror movies. You know what it was? I watched Priest. I thought it was Legion. Like That's the trailer I was remembering. I was like, that could be kind of cool. And then I was like, what? I think they were both terrible. We could watch yeah. Legion if you want. We haven't done any like, sci-fi, horror-y yes. kind of stuff yet. Because yeah, there's the Underworld movies. There's uh, all the movies like the Underworld movies. Anyway... Uh, we'll we'll get back to you. Uh, also, remember to like and subscribe. Um, am I doing this right? Like, remember to subscribe on iTunes, and if you like the show, please leave a review. Um, yeah, we are having trouble uh, figuring out how to link the show out. So if you guys uh, are trying to share it, share screen caps of the iTunes page. If you um, know how to link for it, the email four us. of you who might want to do that, um, because the links will not share properly at the moment. We're working on fixing that. Uh, also, if you have an episode suggestion or a movie you want us to do, um, email lastactionzeros_pod because last action zeros was taken. Um, lastactionzeros_pod at gmail dot com or just text one of the two of us. Yeah, <laughs> you could do that. All right, all right, that's a wrap, folks. See you later. <laughs> Bye.